All right, and hello, and welcome to the Guys Who Hate Their Jobs podcast. I'm your host, Marty, and we're coming to you live from the Blue Room. This podcast is brought to you by nobody. (laughs) Nobody uh, is sponsoring this podcast right now, Um, but we might have that change soon. So anyways, just going to do a quick podcast today, uh, talking a little bit about picking up on the conversation I had last week. With my buddy Cameron, we talked about the NBA Finals, uh, a little bit of the NFL Draft, and some baseball. But right now, I really just want want to talk about the NBA Finals. So this one will be fairly quick. Before, right now, we have Boston and Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals. We have Houston and Golden State. If you don't listen to a lot of basketball, or if you do, you knew one of these finals was going to happen. In fact, it wasn't a surprise. If you were to ask at the beginning of the year who might be in the finals, people might have said Houston Golden State and Cleveland Boston because you assumed that Gordon Hayward was going to be was going to be healthy. And you assumed that Kyrie Irving was going to be healthy and would all work well together. And Cleveland always being a dominant team in the East the last four years. And Golden State, Houston, you knew Golden State was going to be in there. Houston, we didn't know they were going to be this good at the beginning of the year. Uh, we, most of us thought, and myself included, that Chris Paul and James Harden wouldn't mesh together very well because they're both ball-dominant guards. We, I, I was wrong. They, they played incredibly well together. A game plan forced around the three-pointer, which in today's modern NBA plays div- pays dividends. So I'm going to start in the West. We knew it was going to be Houston and Golden State after about 20, maybe 30 games into the season in the the Western Conference Finals. So I'm going to start because I didn't cover game one, two, or three. So I'm going to to start here because game three just concluded. So I'm going to start with game one. The The narrative for game one of the Warriors versus the Rockets was that the Warriors were playing iso ball and it looked terrible terrible they had i want to say like four or five shot clock violations actual shot clock violations and then that doesn't even include the the jacked up shots the four or five maybe even more that they were able to get off with like three seconds and a hand in their face so it really looked pretty ugly and the warriors just played the warriors the way they play ball movement kevin durant looked unstoppable because he is unstoppable I'm not a huge fan of him, but nonetheless, you got to respect a great player, a guy that can get to a spot easily, and and there's nothing you can do. There, there really isn't. P.J. Tucker is one of the best defenders in the league, and he's got nothing. And it doesn't even matter who you throw at him. Kevin Durant's going to get, he can get 30 any given night, and is the definition of a matchup nightmare. So the narrative was that Houston was playing iso ball. James Harden got 40-plus points, but you could tell he he exerted a lot of energy to get those 40 points. And the Warriors just continue to play the way they play. And that's scary because, you know, Steph didn't do anything too crazy in, in, in Game 1. And if they play at this pace... Man, it they're 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 lock to win the finals. To be honest, I'm I'm 
I'm pretty sure that's what's going through everyone's mind right now. But then you go on to game two. And it's kind of funny because in the day between game one and game two, they asked Mike D'Antoni, are you going to make any changements or adjustments or what's the game plan? Are you going to try and move the ball more? And Mike D'Antoni said something to the effect of, no, we're just going to keep playing our game. We're not going to make any major adjustments. You know, we just got to, we're going to play the way we've, we've always played. And everyone was like, no, no, don't, don't do that. Cause you're going to lose by 40. Uh, this ISO ball isn't working and they came out and did some completely different, which was move the ball and, and were, they, they played, they played desperate and they were at home. Um, and it's not like it mattered in game one that they were at home, but they, they played with a purpose and they played out there the way we've seen Houston play, which competes and beats the Golden State Warriors. Now, what bothers me is that um, is that Steph didn't play too well in game one and two. And everybody, the, the, the thing that bothers me the most, and it seems like Steph Curry always has some injury before the playoffs, comes back into the playoffs when he lights it up. We're, we're, we're mesmerized with Steph Curry. But when he doesn't play well, we say he's injured. We don't just say Steph Curry's having a bad game. We say he's injured. And that, that frustrates the hell out of me because that has always been the cop-out for Steph Curry. Steph Curry is moving fine. He's just missing shots. He's, he's just missing shots. So that was the narrative for game two. The Rockets were able to bounce back. Game three, which just concluded tonight about an hour ago, the Rockets missed a lot of layups, so they ended up losing the game. Um, so now they're down 1-2 to two against the Warriors. They missed a lot of layups, missed a lot of easy shots. You miss gimmies versus Golden State, and they will torch you. They're too damn good. And, you know, they were they were one game away from uh, going for a four-peat here. Um, so you you realize that you're dealing with a team that, that is just out of this world and, and, and might be one of the best teams ever assembled. So you miss layups against a team like that, you will get torched. And that's exactly what happened. From what I could see on Houston's side, a lot of the similar problems they had in game one, not as much ISO ball, but still a lot of it. And I say that with a disclaimer because we, when you say, when I say ISO ball, I think it's automatically negative. They're the best team when it comes to ISO ball. When you got one, a guy like James Harden that is so efficient when he plays in isolation. But the way Golden State will get out and transition off of you know, a block shot or a missed layup, whatever it is, it does make ISO ball feel more ineffective. And, and seeing how they played in game two... You got to get other guys involved. Eric Gordon is incredibly is incredible off the bench and an incredibly good shooter. So you've got to get him involved early, and it just didn't feel like they did. They put Eric Gordon into the game early. Uh, I believe it was at the eight eight minute mark, but they didn't actually get him going, and they didn't get guys like Trevor Ariza, PJ Tucker going like they they did in game two. So it wasn't a team effort, and they lost, which is what will happen to if you play Golden State and you're not playing at your best. So moving on to the East. Now, closing with the 
Warriors and Rockets. Warriors are going to win this series. I certainly hope they don't, but they will. And uh, I, I hope it's interesting, but it's the Warriors here. So on to the East, we got the Cavs versus the Celtics. Now, game one, Boston basically punched Cleveland right in the mouth. It was kind of terrible to watch. I'm definitely a uh, fair-weather Cleveland fan. So it was hard to see because everybody was riding the the Cleveland train moving into this game because of how handedly they took care of Toronto. So we're like, oh, this was the this is the Cleveland we know, and uh, and and then they come in and just get hit right in the face by by Boston. And we learned a lot from this game. We learned that Boston is every bit as good as we believe they are because they play like a great team. Now, what I mean by that is, if you're a fan of basketball and you've watched for a while, you will see patterns where teams that have guys who are gritty, they don't have to be the best and they can be a bunch of role players. You don't have to have a star or an all-star or whatever. It's a bunch of role players who play really well and they play really well together and they can beat a more talented team on the other side. Boston has that. Boston is a bunch of guys who hustle number one they're not afraid of cleveland number two and number three they get the maximize they get the total maximization of their talent brad stevens has this ability to bring out the best not only of his players but specifically the the guards that play for boston isaiah thomas averaged almost 30 points a game last year and was in the MVP conversation. Look at what happened this year. And then look at what happened when Isaiah got his chance on the Lakers, which was a terrible team as well. So you'd expect him to shine. No. Now we look, we fast forward a year. We see Kyrie Irving performing at a high level, which we knew he would. But then he gets injured and Terry Rozier comes in and is playing out of his mind. Mind. So, what does this tell you? Well, everyone else is playing well, too. Jalen Brown is... Last year, this time, Jalen Brown was labeled as a guy who can't shoot. This year, Jalen Brown is an absolute threat that is almost commanding a double team. Look at the difference a year makes between a guy like him. He barely got by last year because of his athleticism. And I even heard people say that he might be a bust. But no, this year and this playoffs, he's played unbelievable, unbelievably well. And, and that, that's a testament to Brad Stevens, mainly because you do feel like Boston doesn't fear Cleveland. They don't fear him at all. Guys like Marcus Morris, who don't have a great attitude or focused, you know, Brad Stevens is able to get that that focus, take that intensity in Marcus Morris and actually channel it and get positivity in the way he plays. So Marcus Morris, when he was on the Phoenix Suns, I watched him, terrible attitude. I couldn't stand him. Tons of technical fouls, had no had no cool about his game, no awareness. 
now with Boston, I mean, he's, he, he understands his role. He's focused. He's trying to, he really looks like he can give LeBron trouble at times. There's no stopping LeBron, but he can give him trouble. He can get stops on LeBron James and, and that, that can make the difference between a win and a loss. So that was what we saw in game one, game two, LeBron started out the game, had 20 points in the first quarter, and uh, I believe it was over 20 points in the first quarter. And he ends up dropping 40 points in the game, goes out of the game for a little bit because he took a shoulder to the head, which apparently caused him some type of like neck strain, but comes back into the game. And you really see the flaws that Cleveland has, mainly because of the way they treat each other. What I saw is a bunch of iris rolling, a no hustle back on defense and transition. It really was sad. And it starts with LeBron as well. I think that since we give LeBron so much credit, we've got to give him the blame in, in this situation also. He, he is frustrated with these guys. You can tell that he's frustrated that he's not in as good as a situation as he was in Miami where he had the talent and the role players playing as well as they were. He doesn't have um, quite what he used to when when Kyrie was there. This is clearly a much more difficult Eastern Conference Finals run than it was last year when they had Kyrie Irving. He's frustrated, and and you can see it visually. And in contrast to that, Boston is the complete antithesis of what Cleveland is right now. They don't have some superstar, but they have a bunch of role guys. Cleveland has the superstar, but these role guys aren't showing up. Now, who's winning? Well, Boston's leading in the series 1-2 to two right now, but in those first two games, they, they murdered Cleveland. You almost kind of felt like it might be a sweep, which brings us into Game 3, which was last night, and Cleveland basically murdered Boston. Uh, the series went back to Cleveland, and they, they manhandled them. Basically, everyone contributed for Cleveland. George Hill was more aggressive. I, I was so frustrated because George Hill is a great point guard, yet he's been playing so passive. And he's not a score-first point guard at all, but he can score. So when your point guard is solely focused on passing and is no longer focusing at all on any possession on getting his shot, then they're not afraid of him. They're not afraid of George Hill at all. This game... He went 4 of 11, I believe, but his, 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 the fact that he was looking for a shot and made a few threes early is what made Boston respect him, and hopefully he continues to be aggressive moving forward. J.R. Smith finally bounced back. He has been just playing terrible for the first two games. I think he was 2 for 18 in the first two games, and uh, he, did, he played uh, unbelievable last night. Well, unbelievable. I mean, he made a few threes. Um, I, I take that back. He didn't play unbelievable, but he showed up in, in J.R. fashion. Let's see here. He uh, J.R. Smith uh, scored 11 points, 3 of 8 from the field, and 3 of 4 from 3. So, yeah, he, he, he had a, a decent game. J.R. is going to get you 11, but his threes were big when they came. And a guy like Kyle Korver, speaking of the three ball, Kyle Korver has me convinced that every time he takes a three, it's going in. Few guys can do that, where they have you absolutely convinced that when they take a shot, they're going to make the shot. It's kind of like watching Clay Thompson. When Clay Thompson takes a three, 
I'm already assumed it's going in. I've already assumed that. So moving forward, Cleveland murdered Boston. It's going to be really interesting seeing where this goes from here. And I think Boston finally showed us what a bad night looks like for them. And they got blown out by 30. This is the side of Boston that everyone was expecting to see, but we hadn't seen yet. Now, it's it's kind of more about adjustments. What does Brad Stevens decide to do? Because this is the same team that spanked Cleveland uh, in the first two games. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it goes in game four. I'm looking forward to it. But nonetheless, these, these, these series are still interesting. Nobody's up 3-0. And Cleveland showed you that they, they can play well and win uh, and beat Boston. And, and they can play as a team. And LeBron can get help, which has not really been uh, the narrative so far. So thank you for listening to this episode of Guys Who Hate Their Jobs. The next few episodes, I got some interesting uh, interviews coming up. And, and people are going to enter into a little bit about the career side and just conversational side of this. It's not... Uh, a strictly sports podcast but we will have sports and we will have interviews and we will have uh, business professionals come on as well so looking forward to it continue to listen if you have any criticisms or questions or whatever you want to do just get in contact with me please send me an email to guys who hate their jobs at gmail.com i will respond to you and i'll definitely bring it up on the show so looking forward to the next episode and uh, stay tuned